Well, joining us is one of my favorite singer-songwriters on Delmarva. He's been working on a special new project. Brian Russo joins us. Brian, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Chris, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. So you've written, recorded, and produced a new song about the Reverend Dr. Charles Albert Tindley. Barefoot boy running on a cold, cold ground Running so fast, try to catch that holy sound Before we get to your motivation for this project, give us Dr. Tinley's background. So, Charles Edward Tinley was born in 1851. He was a freeborn son of a slave uh, in the little town that I happened to live in um, called Berlin, Maryland. Um, and so, in 1851, back then, his mother passed away when he was very young. His father uh, was taken back into slavery. So he, he found himself, um, you know, at a very young, formidable age, uh, being sort of bounced around between family members in Berlin. Um, he made his way, ended up starting to work with um, uh, Calvin B. Taylor, at the, at, which is now the Calvin B. Taylor Museum, right in Berlin proper. Um, that's where he sort of self-educated. Like at that time, young African-American men were not uh, encouraged to be educated, but he had a, a strong determination to want to learn uh, to read in particularly. Uh, so there's all these stories of, of him sort of gathering, uh, kindling uh, during the day and then lighting a little fire at night so he could you know, sort of learn to read. Um, and, you know, his story took him from the eastern shore of Maryland, just like many African-Americans at the time, up the postal road through Delaware and towards Philadelphia where, you know, Tin Lee continued on with that quest for education. Um, he famously took a, a job as essentially a janitor at a church. And as irony would have it, throughout his journey, he ended up becoming the pastor of that very church later on. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit, just to kind of, uh, you know, hit the, the high points of Tin Lee's life. He was one of the first African-American uh, published songwriters for his hymns. Um, and, you know, he became one of uh, the most revered and well-known uh, African-American reverends uh, in the country, um, coming to prominence in Philadelphia. And, of course, the Tinley Temple, uh, which bears his name right on Broad Street in Philadelphia, is right there. So, uh, you know, but as a hymn writer, where he, he wanted to take his sermons and, and make them even have more impact, uh, he started writing these hymns, um, and, you know, some of his hymns, uh, you know, I'll Overcome, or, uh, I'll Overcome Someday in particular, um, ended up being being the, uh, the uh, main inspiration for We Shall Overcome, which, of course, is the, the, you know, anthem of the civil rights movement in the 60s. Uh, but others, uh, others songs uh, that he has penned, have been sung all over the world from everybody from Elvis Presley to Willie Nelson, Amy Lou Harris. Um, they're in hymnals. Uh, it, they're, it, it's just it's such an incredible story of like somebody who came from nothing at a time when he was supposed to achieve nothing, um, that he achieved so much. And he really just had this amazing, for lack of a better phrase, lack, uh, rags to riches story. Um, and so my motivation of it was just, you know, when I looked around in my little town, there was seemingly nothing to honor his legacy. And I thought that was wrong. So that's 
sort of started me on this quest uh, all those years. <laughs> yeah. How did this story come to your attention? So I was a journalist for a long time, uh, almost 20 years. And so at the time, uh, I found out about Tinley. So my wife and I moved to, to Berlin, um, bought a house in downtown Berlin, probably in 2009. And I, uh, we had lived there for a few years. I had been working as a local newspaper reporter and then was hired um, by WAMU in Washington, D.C. Uh, they came down and purchased the station on Delmarva. Um, and so I was hired as a coastal reporter and then I was developed my own show called Coastal Connection, which was an hour long public affairs show uh, that aired right after Diane Reem, uh, both in DC and uh, on the Delmarva Peninsula on the channel uh, 88.3. Um, so in 2011, 2012, my, uh, you know, the Coastal Connection was in very early days uh, and I was, you know, really trying to find stories and dive deep into the region of things that I didn't know about and no one else knew about, or maybe things that wouldn't get traditional press coverage. Uh, and my wife had seen an article in one of the local newspapers, um, ironically, the particular newspaper that I used to work for. And she had told me about uh, this gospel festival that was being put on. Uh, to honorate the or to honor the memory and legacy of one of the founding fathers of gospel music who happened to be from Berlin. And of course, that's Charles Albert Tinley. Uh, and I was flabbergasted by the fact that as a journalist and as a songwriter um, and as a local resident of the town, that I had absolutely no idea that Charles Albert Tinley was from Berlin. And so it just, it, I kept going down the rabbit hole of his story. And the further down I got, the more I realized that it was, it was absolutely just abhorrent <laughs> that he was not being praised on a local level or celebrated even on a regional level in a place like Maryland's Eastern shore, which is, you know, the birthplace of Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. And, and there's such a rich African-American history that exists on Maryland's Eastern shore that the fact that Tinley somehow had fallen down the pecking order or just was being ignored or, or not shared, um, it seemed to be something that I, I just felt was wrong. Uh, and it just, something needed to be done. Left that western front on the eastern shore Followed his people right up that postal road We're talking with singer-songwriter Brian Russo about his new project. And I use the word new in quotes because it's new to us. It's not new to you. It's something you've been working on uh, for a long time. And actually, uh, my understanding is you almost stopped. What got you across the finish line on it? You know, we... I had... When I lost my, my job at WAMU due to sweeping budget cuts, it was right after I had I had gotten, I think in 2014, we had published a story on Coastal Connection about Tim Lane. It was a, it was probably a 30-minute, you know, sound-rich piece, um, which I think NPR ended up picking up for like a weekend edition. They did a three-minute piece, like an adaptation of it. And that was, you know, a moment where I was like, okay, this is cool. And then when I lost my job, I tried to kind of, uh, switch and transition and really lean in on the story and try and like 
you know, do a sort of small documentary film and a preservation album, which would have seen, you know, big artists of, uh, of the time breathe new life into Tin Lee songs and hymns. Um, similar to, uh, there was a, there was an album done um, by a friend of mine now uh, called Jeffrey Gaskell, where he cast other artists with singing Blind Willie Johnson songs. And so we had uh, a bunch of famous musicians singing those songs. So I tried to do a similar effort for many different reasons. The effort to do the album and the documentary sort of failed. And I just kept hitting a wall where, whether it was like a catch 22 of I needed funding to finish the film and, you know, people with funding wanted me to finish the film before they would give me the funding. Um, or it was a number of other things. I just kept hitting walls. And when you keep failing, especially in a time when you had just lost your career and you were trying to pivot that way. And, uh, I sort of, I reached the point of wanting to give up. And so I sort of shelved it for a while and it kept being in my head and I kept feeling this pull to, to, to do it. Um, and honestly, it was a, it was a few people in my community that, um, were really passionate and had gotten excited about hearing about the Tinley thing and, and wanting to make sure this happened. And so they kept encouraging me and they kept pushing me and, uh, a good friend of mine, um, said you really you know should should just try keep going and so one morning I woke up and I wrote a song and I figured no one could stop me from writing a song and I didn't need funding to do that and it's probably the thing I I think I'm probably you know I'm better at writing songs than most other things I do and um and so I wrote the song Mr. Tinley and we ended up recording it um well, I mean, gosh, that's, I'm fast-forwarding it a little bit because I wrote the song and then sort of sat on it for another year um, thinking that, you know, maybe I shouldn't be the guy telling the story because, you know, I'm a white man, you know, in my middle age, and, and maybe I shouldn't be the one that's telling the story of a, of, of a prominent and important historical African-American figure in American history. Um, but then I sort of looked around, and one of my that same friend that was encouraging me told me, you know, I don't see a lot of other people in line to do this. So, you know, do your part and just try. And so we went and recorded this song literally the day before the world shut down uh, due to the global pandemic, March 14th, 2020. Um, we recorded it with um, an amazing group of, of musicians uh, in the Wilmington area. They're all Wilmington based. Uh, Darnell Miller, um, we recorded at Studio 808 under the tutelage of, of executive, uh, producer Richie Rubini, who I've been a fan of forever. Um, it was just a really amazing moment and um, just a really interesting milestone in this really long journey because we recorded it, we were so moved by it, and then, again, we had to wait another <laughs> 18 months to release it. Sounds like perseverance, which is probably uh, ironic or maybe appropriate because I'm sure that's a trait that uh, Dr. Tinley had to have. Yeah, I think so. I just, for so much of this, it was, um, it was, I felt this pull towards doing it. And then it's amazing how much hardship and, um, you know, stops and starts went along the way. Um, I think the hardest of which was 
you know, having the song done and knowing that it existed and being so proud of it and being so excited to release it and to share the story, but then really knowing that you had to wait for it because of everything that was going on in the world, whether that was the pandemic itself or the timeliness of everything going on with, you know, the, the wake of George Floyd's murder and Black Lives Matter and then the tumultuous, you know, divisive awfulness of the run-up to the 2020 election. I didn't want this song to be misinterpreted or tarnished and, and made to be some sort of a political vehicle weapon. And I wanted it to be its own piece of art that focused on, you know, the remembrance and the preservation of Tinley. So I was probably almost overly protective of releasing it. Um, and, and so when it finally did feel right and things were happening, you know, on the local level or on the regional level that, that seemed to have this song be a spark to something that was even bigger than what I had originally hoped for, um, it was so gratifying to release it and have the response that it's had so far. Talk about the creative process. You're sitting down to write this song, and how do you decide, okay, do I want it to be upbeat and inspirational? Do I want it to be somber? Do I want it to have gospel aspects? I mean, where do you start with that? So there was a part of the – well, I mean, I think the first verse of any song is um, always the hardest. Sometimes you have a chorus. There's no real rule about songwriting. And, and some people will say, you know, what comes first, the lyrics or the music – um, for me, I, I knew that I knew I wanted to have some gospel elements to it. It would just provide authenticity. But if if you really hammer down gospel, gospel's um, sort of you know that and the blues are, are what the basis for what everything else is built around. So you know it, it doesn't take you long to get into that space of of gospel form or you know that sort of melodic you know storytelling. Um, the first verse, I really wanted to boil down everything that I would have said in maybe the documentary about Timmy's life and trying to articulate just what this young man went through uh, in the early 1800 or the 1850s and leading up to when he really, you know, became a, a formidable name in American society um, in the early 1900s as a hymn writer and as a preacher. Um, so I kept coming back to this story that I was uh, found and was told by some of the elder states, uh, elder statesmen of sorts in the African American community in Berlin that, you know, are sort of getting on in years and they're trying desperately to pass this story down. And they told me about, you know, Kinley was the barefoot boy that was running on the cold, cold ground um, to church uh, on Sundays, and they would talk about this young boy who wanted to be, you know, near what was happening on, on Sunday service. And so I, I started the, that imagery, um, you know, I thought the song starts, you know, Barefoot Boy running on the cold, cold ground. Running on the cold, cold ground. Running so fast, trying to catch that holy running sound. So fast, trying to catch that holy sound. And then I just, I wanted each line sort of in that, um, you know, Bob Dylan famously said that, you know, you want every line that you write to be poignant enough to start a, its own song. Um, and so I didn't want any throwaway lines. So I tried to be very, 
you know, there's that line, and then it goes, you know, Daddy left in chains, Mama six feet in the ground. Daddy left in chains, Mama six feet in the ground, but the boy ain't lost, he's already been found. But the boy ain't lost, he's already been found, and that's to show that he became an orphan very quickly, but his, his love and his commitment to his faith and to God and to this path that he believed that the Lord had set him on, you know, moved him forward. And so that was the first verse, just trying to establish who, who was Charles Albert Tinley, even before he became the Reverend Dr. Charles Albert Tinley. And that's why I called it Mr. Tinley. It, 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 it's trying to figure out who this guy was before he became who everybody sort of knows him to be. And it, of course, directs to the point where he came from the, you know, from the eastern shore of Maryland. And that's the part in history that is either completely left out or it's one line in his story. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's how I started it. Um, and then, you know, second, third verse, I didn't want it to be a biopic song. So I broadened it out a little bit. And so the whole song asked the question of when will we overcome? So please tell me, Mr. Tinley, when will we overcome? And it sort of asked that, that to the very person that inspired the, you know, who's him I'll overcome someday inspired, we shall overcome. So that word overcome is synonymous with Tinley and his legacy. And so asking the question that, you know, coming on the heels of a pandemic and riots and the most divisive time in our nation's history, you know, everybody, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Asian American, LGBTQ, everybody's asking and feeling that semblance of wanting to overcome something. And so we're all sort of asking that. And so I feel like broadening that out in the second and third verse and into the breakdown of the end, it, it it's a buy-in for everybody to kind of feel this and experience this in the present while paying homage to something in the past. We're talking with singer-songwriter Brian Russo. So the songs recorded in Wilmington use local musicians, and uh, it will be included in an upcoming album? That's right. I, you know, over the course of the pandemic, when you, you don't play live or for, you know, the, the better part of 18 months, um, you know, I realized I had a lot of songs that had a lot to say, and, and some of those songs even dated back before that. I mean, you know, I always had this ability and a platform as a journalist and as a songwriter where they sort of existed in a parallel universe, and every once in a while they would cross the streams, so to speak. Um, but then when I, I wasn't a journalist anymore and I was um, just kind of watching the way everybody else does, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I wanted to say and I thought needed to be said that weren't being said in, in the musical space. And so these songs sort of poured out of me and, and sat there. And then I was kind of looking at everything and realized that there was a whole album of songs that really said a lot. Um, and, you know, one of the things I wanted to do with this, with Mr. Tinley was I didn't want the song to be about me. I wanted it to be about him. And so, you know, you learn in journalism school pretty quickly that, you know, you should take yourself out of the story. So I took my name out of it. And I wanted to call this song and this collection of songs that are really reporting about 
you know, things that are happening and, and trying to put some precedent in the unprecedented times that we find ourselves in, you know, didn't really need my byline as Brian Russo, the songwriter. So I put it in as, as journos. And, and yes, they're, they're my songs, but this is a collaboration of, of different musicians. It's not all the same people. So the, the folks that played on the Tinley song will not be the, the folks that are, are included on some of the other songs. So it's a big collaboration of trying to make music that says something and means something and isn't just throwaway dance songs um, or, you know, self-introspective uh, things about just yourself. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's trying to, to really, you know, put down a marker uh, about what's happening in the world and, you know, for everybody that's not named Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah. everybody expects him, him to make that record. And, you know, I, I don't see anybody else lining up to do that uh, for the most part. So I don't know. I think these are, this is a collection of songs that aren't too woke, but they really try and find the humanity and, in, in everything that has been happening uh, and really ask the tough questions without getting in your own way because of ego or image or whatever. And in addition to telling the Tinley story, this song will have a, a an expanded reach because some of the proceeds are going to a special cause, right? Yeah, so there's, you know, it's, it's crazy because when I started this, my goal was to, it was sort of threefold. Locally, I wanted to make sure in my little town of Berlin that Tinley became sort of a household name. And his story was uplifted to not only sort of bridge this gap between, you know, Berlin is known as America's coolest small town. And it is very much like walking into a Norman Rockwell piece. Um, it's charming as hell. Um, and it's a wonderful place to raise your kids and, and to visit and all of that. But there's also another part of, of Berlin. And I think if you ask other people in the African-American community, there's been this divide and this disconnect uh, that exists and, and there's been a yearning to tell some of their stories. And I think Tinley is the, a prime example of that. So the, the local hope was for the uplifting of Tinley's story to bring together the community and be a unifying force in a way that, that maybe it hasn't seen in a long time. And, and we're starting to see that happen because this song has encouraged folks in the town to go for some public grants and also in the community to go for some other publicly funded grants um, uh, where we're going to have a, um, a public mural of Charles Tinley that's going to be, you know, installed on one of the main buildings in the heart of Berlin itself. Um, and then all the proceeds from this song directly are sort of ironically going to be going back to helping to revive the very thing that, you know, I found out about Tinley in the first place, was, which is, of course, this, this gospel music festival called Tinley Day, which, you know, went on for years and then, I guess, stopped right after that first article that I saw. So I think 2011 or 2012 was the last time there was a Tinley Day in Berlin. And I've, I've been working with the folks in the African-American church community and, and the, the original organizers of it to you know, use this song to create awareness and excitement and take these proceeds and really build a, a coalition to bring this, this festival back in a, in a big way um, and make it be an annual celebration of, of not only African-American history, I'm sure, but also Tinley's legacy in our town 
and, you know, and gospel music as a whole. Um, and then regionally, my, my hope was to really uplift and, and get Tinley sort of spoken and, and recognized in the same sentence with, with Harriet Tubman and, and Frederick Douglass. And I think it's ironic because this mural, um, you know, comes at a time where Harriet Tubman's mural in Cambridge uh, was a big thing that Dorchester County did, and that's been such a positive um, piece in not only growing local tourism in Dorchester County, but also, you know, celebrating Harriet Tubman's incredible story and her legacy um, on the Eastern Shore. Uh, and that mural, of course, is a huge centerpiece of that. And then additionally in Talbot County, Frederick Douglass has just recently had a mural. So, you know, I kind of was trying to figure out a way to make this connection. So I took that idea of a mural to the folks at the town of Berlin, played them the song, and they were like, yeah, let's go find this, the, the funding for that. And thankfully there is funding for it. So it looks like this song, this idea that took the long play to get there is eventually going to be more than just a song that people may or may not like. It now may become a piece of living, breathing art that exists on a building in a, in a historic town um, that uplifts the legacy of, I think, one of its most famous, um, but unfortunately, one of its most forgotten native sons. And so if, if a little song that I wrote uh, after years of struggle can help spark that kind of change uh, in my community or in the region or, or wherever it reaches, I mean, that'll be gosh, the best thing ever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's terrific. Uh, we encourage everyone to check out Mr. Tinley. What's the best way to do that? Uh, so if you go to uh, the website that we built for this song, I, I want it sort of all to be there. It's, it's www.wearejournos.com. Uh, you'll find the YouTube link right there on the main page to to watch the video. And that's something we didn't even talk about was the video itself and, and, and that imagery. Um, but yeah, wearejournalist.com. There's a Bandcamp link that you can purchase the song, and again, all the um, all the download uh, proceeds go right to reviving this uh, gospel festival in Berlin. Um, yeah, that's that's the best way uh, to do it. There's also you know some backstory uh, on it. I'm going to be releasing the song uh, on the rest of the digital platforms here in the next few months. Um, but for right now, I wanted to kind of streamline everything through Bandcamp um, on the website, We Are Journos, and, and go, go from there. Singer-songwriter Brian Russo joining us. Uh, Brian, it's, it's an amazing project, and uh, we thank you uh, for taking time to tell us about it. Well, I appreciate you having me, Chris. It's always great to talk to you, and, and I really uh, applaud you and everybody at the station for the amazing work you guys continue to do.